And welcome into today's episode of the Blanket Coverage Podcast. Today, we are only talking about college football. We are going to transition to two episodes a week rather than just one uh, because last time was uh, two and a half hours. Uh, not two and a half hours. It was two hours. Uh, and we just simply don't have um, enough time to talk about both sports in one podcast uh, and get, really give you the full deep dive um, that you look for when you listen to the Blanket Coverage podcast. But we are going to fire off some piping hot college football takes today. We have winners and losers as well as the Agony Olympics. As always, I am joined by my co-host Jack Wallace. Jack, how are we doing? Doing pretty good. It's always a good day to be talking about some college football coming up. Um, NFL, we're moving to tomorrow, as you said, with those two episodes. We're going to split those up because we saw it was around two hours. And I was like, that's wild. We don't have all that time. So uh, we're going to be pushing that to do two a day. It's going to, or sorry, two um, two different ones over two days, which is going to be super helpful uh, with the NFL being on Thursday. So we're going to have a little section of that sort of tying into Thursday night football. Uh, we know we used to do a big old preview episode last week, but, or sorry, last year. But that was just a huge amount of content twice. We're just trying to cut a little down on that. And honestly, with the previews, we kind of talk about that anyway in the recaps, uh, looking at all these teams. So it all gets in either way. So I think it's a lot better of a process. It'll be easier on the viewers because you have a lot less uh, time to just sit down and watch in a row. So it's easier to digest the episodes. I know we go through a lot of content, but it's a lot of fun content. And this week, that will certainly be true again. But we're going to start things right off with our college football week three recap, we're going to go through MLB stuff tomorrow in front of the NFL, simply because with MLB, there's not really a reason to do it two days in a row. Um, but there are a lot of interesting updates to the playoffs, so we will get that to that tomorrow. But to start off, again, we're going to go through our winners. We're going to go through our losers, as we've been doing. And to start off with my winners, and again, all these can be looked at on GTD Sports on their blog site. I'm one of the most recent blogs up. I wrote this uh, yesterday on Tuesday. Today is Wednesday, September 22nd. So wrote that yesterday. Go check it out. But time to dive into a little bit more. And my first winner here is the Wolverine and Spartan state of Michigan. This state, with all their teams in it, did very, very well this weekend. What uh, is Michigan, the state actually like, called? It actually is called the Wolverine state. It is is one of their multiple names that it has, but the Wolverine state is one of them. I just threw in Spartan because Michigan state was uh, probably Sparty. the biggest team of the weekend here. Yeah, go, go Sparty, though. And it was pretty good overall. These Michigan teams showed up pretty strong. And, I mean, the first one of these I'll highlight is Michigan State because we did know, and I know you of all people knew, <laughs> that Miami was fraudulent. We all knew. We said it for a while. We knew they weren't good. But for this game, I think it's more that Michigan State actually is a pretty decent team. And people were just really sleeping on them this year because every year for the last half decade, which can't believe it's been that long since Michigan State's been good, but everyone's always said – Oh, it's the same old Michigan State. But they've looked pretty good this season. They haven't played really, really good opponents yet, and they will later. They will. But they look pretty solid so far. I got to give them credit. Well, let me just say this. The program at Michigan State was left in shambles when Mark D'Antonio mm -hmm. uh, left in January, which if you know anything about the timeline of college football, <sighs> yeah, not yeah. when you want to leave. 
uh, leave your program. Uh, that typically happens like, you know, right after the year. Uh, but they had some a tough time on the coaching carousel because Mark D'Antonio left so or, or so late in the year. There was a bunch of mess with recruiting. Um, and, and I mean, really props to this program for getting back on top here um, and getting a big win against Miami, who had to throw the ball 60 times in this game. Uh, that's how, oh boy. that's how little they were able to run the ball at all. And I'm not going to blame Derek King that they had to throw the ball 60 times. I mean, he had 59 passing attempts, 338 yards. He actually averaged 6.6 yards per attempt, but did throw two interceptions. But I mean, you throw the ball 59 times in college, you're probably going to get a pick or two in there for sure. But the big headline is they just could not run the ball against Michigan State whatsoever only 20 only 52 yards on 24 rushing attempts and no touchdowns for Miami so they actually won the game in terms of first downs uh, but the turnover battle they lost two fumbles had two interceptions um, to Michigan State's zero and that was really the difference in the game and I got to shout out here, Peyton Thorne, quarterback out of Michigan State, 726 yards in the season with nine touchdowns, zero picks, and an 85.0 QBR. That's seventh best in the country. He threw for four touchdowns and 261 yards this week without much trouble at all. And if you're talking about some guys that are some of those low-key, really good Big Ten players we have not talked about, Peyton Thorne's one of them. This quarterback's been absolutely balling this year, putting up fantastic numbers. I mean, that's nine touchdowns and zero picks in three games. That's about the best you can ask for out of a college quarterback. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where he goes. And next week's coming up, Michigan State plays Nebraska, Western Kentucky at Rutgers. And then after that's at Indiana, which is a very winnable game. So that's, that's a really strong start. Michigan State. Well, but then the end of their schedule, after that's Michigan. 7-0. On Halloween against Michigan. I mean, that's not huge. a guaranteed loss. We know how wild that game gets sometimes. Throwback to the uh, the Joe Tessator punt call where Joe Tessator had a stroke at the end of the game. Uh, on that oh, block. yeah. And the, um, <laughs> the last two, that's very true, but the last two games of their season are at Ohio State and then Penn State back-to-back. Penn State is at home, but that's about as tough as you can get back-to-back. So very intrigued to see how those games turn out with a team that really I wasn't – uh, quite sure of how they're going to be preseason, but impressed me. Uh, so look at the rest of Michigan. Uh, just to mention for a little bit, Michigan and themselves, uh, the big blue. Now they beat a Northern Illinois team that's pretty bad. And we know this because they beat Georgia Tech and you got to be even, if you beat Georgia Tech, that doesn't give you a very big boost to how good you are. But then they turned around and uh, they lost to Wyoming by seven, uh, allowing 50 against Wyoming. And usually good teams don't allow Wyoming to put up 50 on you. And Michigan put up 63 on NIU, not very big. But the kicker here was Michigan moved from number 25 all the way up to number 19, which oh, yeah, six point, a six-point jump right there. I'm surprised they weren't right preseason top 10, even though they haven't had that much <laughs> success as of late. But we should <sighs> mention, and I want to mention here, while we're talking about these two teams, these two teams have the number one and three respective uh, top rushers in the country. Uh, Kenneth Walker III had a huge game against Miami. He has yeah, he's 493 yeah. yards on the year, uh, averaging eight and a half yards a carry. And then Blake Corum <laughs> from Michigan, he is number three uh, with 407 yards, still averaging eight and a half yards a carry. Um, so that's, these two teams, wild. 
really able to run it. Um, and we know that Michigan has had a lot of problems throwing the ball, um, especially against some of the better competition they face. Even against Washington, they didn't have a great day uh, throwing the football, but they were able to run it all over them. Uh, so that's Big Ten football, uh, which we'll get to later because Big Ten football is definitely here to stay. Uh, let's see some more running game. I love running game. I love it when colleges can't pass. I love watching the service academies who can't throw to save their lives and they just run the ball the entire game. It's so much fun to watch. Well, speaking of a game that ended up having a whole lot of interceptions through it. Now there were some decent passing, but there were some pretty solid run game too in this one, but leading into your first winner, let's take a look at some late night pack 12 action. Oh, don't get ahead of me now. I'm saying take a look at it. There you go. Go on. There's your lead-in. There's your tag. My first winner of the week are the Mormons. <laughs> because BYU, we talked about it last week, and we talked about it in the preview. We've actually talked a lot about BYU this year. Uh, no one expected anything out of this team. They lost Zach Wilson. They lost a ton of other older talent from that team and they are still absolutely cooking uh they went down in a barn burner against asu uh, and arizona state came into provo and they were able to come away with the win uh so that's huge for the mormons and playing a we all thought with this schedule this year, with the schedule being different, because last year they had to schedule a bunch of lesser teams um, in order to fill their schedule as an independent because all of these conferences with COVID uh, were playing conference-only schedules. We're not playing non-conference schedules. Um, and we thought, well, this is going to be a lot tougher. They have a lot less talent this year. They look like they are on an absolute mission, and I can't tell you how good of a coaching job this has been. Absolutely. No, it's really to see BYU lose a guy like Zach Wilson and still do what they're doing. And, and I know it's early. We know it's only 3-0, which is still great to be 3-0. But that's the other thing is that's 3-0 against Pac-12 teams, all three games against Pac-12 teams. And I get Arizona's not good. But Utah was pretty good. Arizona State's pretty good. And those are two big wins. And next up, they have South Florida, who's horrible. Utah State with another one of the um, – another rare trophy you may not know. But do you actually know what the trophy is between Utah, BYU, and Utah State? It's a three-team thing, like the Commander's Trophy for um, for the Naval and Air Force and Army. There's a – Is it like there's the a term for it. Smith Cup or something? No, it's the Beehive Trophy. Why? Because Utah okay. is really big for bees, if you didn't know that. But, um, yeah, bees in Utah are, like, a really big thing. In fact, Salt Lake City's um, AAA team is the Salt Lake Bees. So bees are really big in Utah. So the Beehive Trophy is uh, always a fun thing to sort of watch. But um, I'm a big fan of it since I enjoy also, uh, sort of weird, fun Utah things. But oh, the Beehive the Boot, too. There's the Beehive Boot. Sorry, yeah, Beehive Boot. It's a little giant boot. Shout out to Mitt Romney's son, Baylor Romney, <laughs> for giving a pass attempt in this game. 100% on the day, 100% completion percentage, one for one, three yards. 
Good it's for him. Just, it's just great. Yeah, but Romney I, connects I, with Rex with the ice, uh, ice on the game for ESPN. <laughs> I was never super high on Arizona State to begin the year. I'm not sure why they were ranked. I think they were just ranked because, you know, people bought into the hype of Jaden Daniels. They bought into the hype of what Herm Edwards has been doing with this program. But if you look really at what Herm Edwards has been doing with this program, they haven't really been winning a ton of games. Uh, it was more of an upside play, if anything. And I'm not sure why they were really favored in this game. Uh, having watched BYU against Utah last week and now against uh, Arizona State this week, there was no reason that Arizona State should have been favored in this game. And, and let me just mention before we move on, but um, just to look at the other schedule for BYU, because you know, being independent and being a fond independent, I love looking at what they end up playing. I mentioned the next two games, uh, but then after that is BYU or sorry BSU at home, Boise State going to BYU. Always a great game there. Then at Baylor in an odd Big Twelve matchup. Then at Washington State, Virginia, Idaho State, at Georgia Southern, and then at USC. So a pretty odd schedule there, but that's a lot of winnable games. That's a Absolutely. lot of winnable games in that schedule. BYU could. I don't know if they run the table with that, but they may be better than most of all those teams. And now I get some of those are tricky. Some would be weird. I mean, Utah state and Utah, that's always a weird kind of trio of how they work with rivalry at USC last game of the week is going to be difficult. We know that USC is not all they're hyped up to be, but I mean, that is still a hard game to play last game of the year. And you never know being at Baylor because Baylor's look good so far, but hasn't really played anybody, which tends to be the Baylor way. But I mean, I'm still very confused, actually, my thoughts on Baylor. I know we won't really talk about them too much today, but um, if they continue to beat anyone decent, then that may be it. But kind of interesting seeing how some of these sort of funny non-con schedules will start. But uh, moving on to my second winner. Which is also my second winner. Yeah, so we can kind of pair this up for this one. But this is a guy that I was pretty high on preseason. I actually really didn't talk about him a lot in the college football preview, and only because I wasn't totally sold on the old Miss defense yet. But it turns out they've looked not perfect, but they've had some pretty good moments. Landshark defense looks like it's coming back with a second-half shutout against Tulane, and the highlight player here is Matt Corral, a player who has been blowing up big time, is actually number one in the Heisman odds right now. He was 23 for 31, 335 yards and three touchdowns, including a touchdown rush, too, so four on the day entirely. And this Ole Miss offense is ridiculous. 61 points put on Tulane, and we get that it's Tulane, but Tulane's a one and two team that, I mean, they could be two and one because they, they almost had to beat go, OU. Yeah, they had to go to Norman. What this, was actually this, supposed to be a home game for them. I really think that Tulane can actually have a pretty decent schedule this year. Now, they do have to play Houston and Cincinnati and at UCF. They, I mean, it's a pretty hard schedule for American Conference standards. They do have to play most of the hard teams there. But oh, so they have I think, to play two Big 12 teams, three Big 12 teams. That's true. But I, I, I don't know. I think Tulane could beat a good chunk of teams. I think they may upset somebody this year. And I think Ole Miss beating them, I don't think, is a knock on Tulane. I think that's more saying that Ole Miss, in my opinion, I think that you could argue – Maybe you could argue they're the third best team in the in the SEC right now. I'm not sure. Florida, I get they were good and lost this weekend, so maybe they're fourth. But I wouldn't put them anywhere lower than fourth. The way that Bama's defense played against a Florida offense that couldn't really pass very well, and we'll get to that game. Mm-hmm. But I think Ole Miss has a decent chance at beating Bama, and I think they have a beyond decent chance. I think they have a good chance 
to beat. Ben I don't think that's a crazy take. I really it's, don't. And it's I feel not like a crazy I would have thought that was if there crazy. is if there is anyone that can figure out a Nick Saban defense, especially one that gave up 29 points to Emory Jones, who I don't think is necessarily a good passer of the football. And now you have to look at Matt Corral, who is not only this team's rushing leader, but he's also the passing leader. And I believe he is the national passing leader right now. And an Ole Miss offense that is putting up a national best 52.7 points a game. The Bama is on serious, serious upset alert. It, this Ole Miss team is very, very impressive. And I, I think it's it's been really, really fun to watch them play. I mean, my, my mom is an Ole Miss grad, so for me personally, I really enjoy it. I've, I've been a fan of Ole Miss for quite some time, so I, I always love to see them doing well. But, yeah, they're an impressive team. And, again, them being number 17 at the time of their win, I think moving up to 13 was totally fair. But – I, I mean, Ole Miss is playing like a top 10 team right now. If I'm going to be honest, like look at how Clemson is playing right now and look at how Ole Miss is playing, and who do you think is a better team? Oh, I Ole mean, Miss, without a doubt. I mean, and, that's what and, I'm saying. Some of the polls, I think they're still – I think the pollsters, because Clemson's number nine right now, they dropped three spots. We'll talk about the Georgia Tech game in a minute. But Clemson dropping three spots I think was fair. But do we really think Clemson's a top 10 team? I don't think so. I mean, they haven't proven anything to be a top 10 team whatsoever. And – even the Georgia loss wasn't really that bad of a loss, but they sort of were like putzing around, not doing much. And then the tech law, the tech win is really where it starts to scare me with this team, because you see a team that really couldn't score anything on Georgia. And then we realized Georgia a few weeks later, like, Oh, okay. Their defense really is that good. But then they score 14 points on Georgia tech with one of those touchdowns being one that's really late in the game. And then you had the whole crazy ending and we'll get to that. I'm sort of skipping ahead, but I'm losing some faith on them. So it, back to Ole Miss, it's just I think 13 is a little low. You see Notre Dame, Florida, Ohio State, Clemson ahead of them. And I think Ole Miss could compete with all of those teams and, and maybe better than a good chunk of those teams. So I'm excited Absolutely. to see where they go up because they will be continuing to move up if they keep playing like this. Absolutely. Well, they are only 66th in strength of schedule. So their schedule has not been great as of late, but – this is a Louisville team that was able to come out and cook UCF and Gus Malzahn. We'll talk about that. That's true. In a little That's bit. true. And Good point. that that win against Louisville in the opening week is looking better and better it by is. the minute. Um, and this is a team that also is only giving up 20.7 points a game. Uh, that is far better than they were playing last year when they couldn't defend anybody. Um, and they were just make having barn burners every single game. I really, I think I might pick them over Bama. And my second winner this week uh, to go along with this point is the Lane Train, because Lane Finn is absolutely killing it. Um, and we've talked a little bit already. We've talked a lot already about this Ole Miss team uh, and the game last weekend. But I do want to talk about Lane Kiffin a little bit because. What would you think about Lane Kiffin going back to USC? Now, I'm not saying I'm not predicting it to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be the most Lane Kiffin thing ever to get fired from USC on the tarmac and then end up going back and being the golden boy of the USC program. I, I just know that even with them, 
even with him doing as well as he can with Ole Miss, he would have to win a dang national title for USC to say come back. <laughs> and I don't know if that's happening with Ole Miss as much as I would love. Oh, my God, to see Ole Miss in the playoffs would make my year. But I, I, it's going to take an absurd amount because, yeah, as we know, it's like USC clearly left that on not great terms. So, I mean, I know it wouldn't make – but if you're talking about purely for the sake of the fun of it, I mean, of course I'd love to see that. I think that'd be a fun time. Yeah. Ole Miss has turned into an incredibly entertaining, fun team that people want to root for and like and are good. I mean, they prove it. They win these big games. And we know last year they were dogged endlessly for the defense being bad. But, I mean, when you outscore every team by at least I mean, by 20 points, 40 points, 40 points, I mean, who cares that your defense isn't doing as great? And even they aren't even bad either. I mean, Tulane scored zero in the second half. I mean – Louisville proved to be very solid on offense against UCF, and they only scored 24 on Ole Miss. So it's – I don't know. I think that could be a, a big difference maker there in what this uh, Ole Miss team can do, again, further on in the season. But um, but we can move on now. We got Fresno State up next as my last winner. And not necessarily Fresno State, but their New York New Year's Six odds because we all got to always find who's going to be that team to sort of shoot up and be great. We know that was Coastal Carolina last year. And, yeah, they're still winning and doing well. We have barely talked about Coastal Carolina at all, mostly because they haven't played anybody. But And to be frank, they don't really play many decent teams over the season. But, um, in fact, they actually don't play uh, Louisiana Lafayette, the only sort of big team from the Sun Belt. So, um, yeah, not, not a lot from Coastal Carolina and barely, barely beat Buffalo in kind of a weird game. But – Fresno State may be that team. This Fresno State Bulldog team has been very, very impressive this season, and their biggest game of the year was against UCLA. And, and yeah, Fresno State beat Connecticut by a billion, barely lost to Oregon in a really impressive game, which that loss is aging really well for Oregon – or, sorry, for Fresno State. Beat Cal Poly by 1,000 and then played UCLA and was the better team. 40-37 to 37 was your final. And, yeah, Fresno State was really good. Jake Hayner looked fantastic in this game, too. I mean, did you watch the end of that game? I did not know. This game was absolutely electric. So Jake Hayner on the last drive of the game, or, or maybe it might have been the second to last drive. I don't I think it was, no, the it, was, it, was it was an 18, it was 18 seconds to go. Well, Jake Hayner before before the last drive. Get sat, get takes a huge hit and delivers a touchdown. To uh, I I believe they, I can't remember exactly what the score was. My timeline of that game is fuzzy. It was late at night, but Jake Hayner took a massive hit, took a helmet right to the hip, and got it right here. Comes back, limps down the field, and drives his team all the way down for a go-ahead touchdown. He was absolutely phenomenal. He had no mobility in the pocket and was still able to deliver a touchdown, uh, deliver lightning throws. You're seeing it right, you're seeing it right here, right? I'm playing it. Yeah, 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 it? yeah, yeah. I'll play, I'll play the, the replays coming up, but yeah. I mean, able look at him. Deliver lightning throws. Look, he couldn't. He can't really put his hip into that throw at all. These are all arm throws, and this kid played absolutely lights out in the last few minutes of that game. Uh, could not 
give him any more credit uh, because he willed that team to a win with some darts. And I mean, it was two drives in a row. They hit that little back shoulder pylon throw and the pylon was open for really the entire game. And I don't know where Jack has gone. We'll see if we can get Jack back in here. All right, there we go. Jack. Hey, so that my my whole Google Chrome just turned off. So. <laughs> oh, you gotta love when that happens. Uh... Goodness I was gracious. getting some unstable internet symbols, so I didn't know if that would have been it. Uh, yeah, no, that was a little what, odd. Sorry about what that. What the issue was, but as you said, Fresno State just a massive, massive win. Um, and yeah, you're right. If they can win out the rest of the year, that's going to be huge for them making the New Year's Six. This might be one of the best Group of Five teams in the country uh, for sure. But let's move on because I have one more winner from this week. And for the third consecutive week, Big Ten football is a winner because Penn State brought some Big Ten football uh, to Auburn on Saturday night. That was just an incredible game. What a it scene. was. What a yeah. scene with the whiteout. Um, if that doesn't put chills down your spine, you might not be a college football fan. Um, can we talk about that goal line fade? Because I do want to, I will talk about Auburn uh, in a little, a little bit more in depth uh, as we go along here. But can we talk about that goal line fade? Because what on earth is the Auburn play caller doing, calling a goal line fade on fourth down, and Bo Nix airmails it to the cheerleaders? I don't know. I mean, That's this not Auburn SEC team is football. It's it's not. And this Auburn team had times where they look very solid, but times like that that were just sort of confusing. And I get that it's the whiteout. I get that it's very difficult to, to do much at Penn State for that game, too. And I mean, Nick's had 185 yards, no scores. And But I think it's also clear that Bo Nix is no longer the star offensive playmaker of this no. team. I mean, that's that's Tank Bigsby's role now. 102 yards and two carries on 20 or sorry, 102 yards and two touchdowns on 23 carries. So it's still he's the workhorse of this team, and it was a close game the whole time. I mean, it was very, very back and forth. Um, Auburn did only have the lead uh, for a short amount of time in the first quarter and then a good chunk of the second quarter, but uh, never actually held it uh, at all in the fourth, was able to come back uh, on 10 straight points to bring it to a one-point game, but uh, Noah Kane, another solid three-yard run, uh, is what sealed the deal um, with about 10.48 to go. So, yeah, no one scored for quite a while after that, but um, – Second, I'd like to point. I'd like to go to point number two because I had I had a few different things that I wanted to talk about with Big Ten football being a winner for three weeks in a row. How about the Nebraska Cornhuskers? And I know they totally choked this game in a million different ways, but Spencer Rattler was kind of atrocious. And Nebraska, sitting at two and two, we all wrote this team off at the beginning of the year. They lost to Illinois of all teams. And I don't know whether this says more but about they Nebraska or yeah. about Oklahoma, but this Nebraska team fought hard. 
Uh, only one yeah. turnover on the game. Taylor Martinez was able to pass for 76%. And I'd like to make another point here that whoever said the Oklahoma defense is supposed to be fixed this year was an outright liar because the Oklahoma DBs have been garbage for about 10 years now and nothing has changed. This team would still get 70 dropped on their head by any playoff team. Yeah, and I think that's uh, pretty true here. I, I was at least excited as someone that loves the weird rules of college football that we actually did have the very rare um, two-point safety here, which you don't see often. But we did get to see a two-point safety, which um, if you're confused about how a two-point safety works, you have to block the extra point attempt and return it for a touchdown. And that gives you technically not a touchdown, but two points back for you. So that's what made it 9-16. Um which is always very odd, but yeah, sort of a funny score line on that end that Oklahoma was able to get. A 23-16 is a very odd score, but but yeah, I mean, still two 384 yards for Nebraska, one turnover. I mean, it's not exactly great, but yeah, OU's a little odd too. I mean, for Oklahoma, that's I mean, that's 408 yards and zero turnovers, and you're still only putting up 23 points. I mean, you cannot be happy if you're an OU fan with this performance because. Nebraska, let's face it, they miss two field goals and they make those two field goals. And this is basically uh, a tie ball game uh, with, with one more point, not counting that uh, that little two point play. So, yeah, th- this was almost a tie ball game. Very close uh, call for Oklahoma at home against a team that lost to Illinois. Yeah, if you're if you're Oklahoma, you have nine drives in this game and only three result in touchdowns. And one was a mixed miss field goal. But even then, that's just – that's not good enough. That's just not good enough. And so, yeah, if you're Oklahoma, you need to be better. I mean, yes, it was good enough to win today, and a win is a win at the end of the day. So they are 3-0. This would have been catastrophic for a loss. But after this, which is what I'm excited about, is after this week, Big 12 play starts for yes, pretty sir. much everybody. If not – if not, I'm, I think it is everyone. I'm pretty sure everyone does have it left. But And it's Oklahoma-West Virginia. And – that's a losable game. West Virginia played really well this weekend. Don't forget TCU, Texas, which is 11 a.m., which is very disappointing. Well, that's a crime against humanity. I will actually be at the game. uh, And I I wish I could be very sad to find out that I will be tailgating at 8 a.m. instead of like noon. Uh, So yeah, um, it's going to be a little rough. Get a little Bailey's in your coffee. Get ready to go. I'm going to be driving to Cleveland uh, and going to a Cleveland oh, Indians sorry. game. And they're, well, I'm going to the, an, an Indians game in their final series of being Indians. So I uh, wanted to see them before they changed to Guardians because I also wanted to see Guardians too. So I was like, I want to see both. So um, this is literally the only chance I could ever do that. So I was like, might as well. well um, let's talk about some losers. Be fun. Let's, let's get negative. Let's bring the negative vibes in. We had the good vibes. Let's bring in the negative vibes. Jack. Give me your first loser. Well, my first loser here is a loser that really disappointed me uh, this weekend. And now part of it was ones that teams that I expected to lose and some I didn't. And this kind of goes off your Mormons points. I'm not going to go too deep into this, but Arizona State really fell flat. And they were a team that I had a good amount of hype in and not like crazy or anything. But I did think this team could make some serious damage. And so far, they've looked pretty good. But then they played BYU, and to me, I'm still going to be on the side of I think that BYU really is legit and Arizona State isn't a fraud. It's just that BYU is really good, and that was underestimated in the polls. So that's at least my take still. But 
We'll obviously see how that take ages in a few weeks, but um, also on them, uh, Arizona. And this one is a uh, kind of a pain Olympics preview, but Arizona lost to Northern Arizona, which is never a good thing. Arizona but... also, fun fact, has the nation's longest losing streak. And it got capped off by Northern Arizona. The starting quarterback of Northern Arizona and his winning game, 11 for 16, 88 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And he won. Now, to be fair, the running back, uh, Daniels, um, Kevin Daniels, did absolutely whatever he wanted. But Plummer, <sighs> Will Plummer, in his start for Arizona, 19 for 34, 191 yards, one TD, and two picks against Northern Arizona. This was the free game that you paid them to come play, and that's what you give up. And even worse, it was 13 to nothing. Arizona had a 13 nothing lead against this team. It was and with with two minutes to go in the first half was 13 nothing. And well, then with two can, minutes to go in the second half, 21-13 Northern Arizona. I, I mean, think we can all agree that Kevin Sumlin is absolutely nothing without Cliff Kingsbury on the sideline next to him. Absolutely nothing. And that's proven very strong. Your Arizona is a disaster for the program. And yeah, the winner in Arizona this weekend was Northern Arizona. So congrats to the Lumberjacks. The winner. Like the winner. <laughs> The singular winners in the state of Arizona. Uh, so, yeah, that's the, not too much on Arizona, but just wanted to – to, Arizona. I guess the inverse of a shout-out, but Goodness not too good gracious. of a weekend. Well, my first loser uh, are the agent – I guess losers, plural, uh, because they both fall under this category. The agents of chaos, um, as I have dubbed them, which is Gus Malzahn, who loves to create chaos, and sometimes – Chaos, it goes against you a little bit uh, because this game was tied. UCF had a chance to drive down and uh, and seal the deal. In fact, I bet on UCF not once but twice. I live bet them during the game as well. I uh, was watching this live. And what do you know? Pick six. And if that's not a Gus Malzahn ending to lose to Louisville, who I don't think we thought was going to be very good, uh, to start this season off. I don't know what is. Uh, this is a Gus Malzahn uh, absolute masterpiece, absolute masterclass in, um, in losing in chaotic fashion uh, as he won in chaotic fashion so many times at Auburn. But I'm, I'm not so convinced, and th- this isn't – this is – a, I guess it's a very deep uh, analytical take. Um, the bad karma of UCF trying to claim a national championship and well, the bad karma of just Gus Malzahn in general uh, after all the wild, crazy plays. Are we not convinced that he sold his soul for the kick six? First point, they did win a national championship. And secondly, they did. And secondly, yeah, I think he did sell a soul for the kick six. And they don't forget not. about the winning Georgia. Yes, they did. Championship. Yes, they did. Because the problem is, is that national championships have absolutely nothing to do with solely the college football playoff. That is a national championship. It is not the national championship because the AP poll and the coaches poll, all of those are national championships. The F, the, no, there's not. no system. Not now. Yes, it is. It was yes, the, it is. It was before the BCS. 
No, that's still how it works. You can look it up. That's exactly how it works. So if you get an accredited NCAA poll to give you a national championship, you have complete right to claim that it is. Well, if, that's I mean, how it works, poll which is nonsense. UCF it's nonsense. One, whatever poll but ranks UCF number one should not be accredited anymore. I think they lose which, sure, all of their I, no, I Trust me. I'm not saying that it was the silliest thing ever and it's ridiculous, but the way the rules work in the NCAA is the NCAA themselves does not give a national title to anyone. The only people that do are polls. So the crystal ball trophy, that's still a thing. That didn't go away. We just don't see that anymore because it's not the headliner trophy. But all these other teams, you still get the crystal ball because that's the coach's trophy. All so that I'm, never went away, which I'm people forget. Saying, is that wasn't a BCS thing. <laughs> all I'm saying is – UCF, you don't want Bama. You really don't. I, oh no, they I, let don't. Let me tell again. you right now, you do not want Bama. <laughs> no, no, no. Again, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's. It's. Um. I more make that argument because, or more just sort of state the fact they did because it is silly. It is a dumb system. It makes no sense that the polls determine all of that, and that's how it works. But that's just how it works. The polls determine everything. That's how college football functions. It's very weird. There should be a standard for it. There should be just one winner. But it's mostly the point now that college football playoff is done is it's basically reined in all of the polls to say we are all going to unanimously pick this team and there's going to be no argument. And that's the reason why it's always one team every year. But if polls decided to break off, there's nothing holding them to that. And they can do that if they want to. It's just very rarely it happens. And that's why UCF had like one poll. Like technically there was a poll, an accredited poll that gave TCU the 2010 national title. We chose to not take it. We said no. And so then TCU didn't get the national title. Like they didn't accept it. So there's yeah, unclaimed national titles national and there's claimed. Champions. Te- ish. We're there's arguing just the AP- about technicalities. Well, but it's it, that, that's how it works. It's just what poll are you going to say is the most important? And it, it, it is arbitrary. We, we have decided that the AP poll and the coaches poll are the biggest two. And that's the ones we follow. It isn't like FCS or like any other NCAA sport or any pro sport where you just win the most games and the league gives you the trophy and then the argument's over. The NCAA doesn't touch anything. It's all polls, which again, I think is dumb, but that's how the system works. That's how it's always worked. It should change, but I don't know if it well, will, but that's my whole spiel. Speaking of things that are dumb, uh, <laughs> the agent of chaos number two, Auburn football. We already covered this game a little bit, but Auburn football Big loser yep. this weekend. Uh, had to go in happy into Happy Valley, and I mean they put up a valiant effort. The Auburn defense, I thought, actually played pretty well. You know, aside from giving up wide open passes and touchdowns to Sean Clifford, pretty much whenever he wanted to do it. Uh, but they did a good job of stuffing the run, I guess. Here's the thing: I I'm I using the Auburn as an agent of chaos, uh, Monkier as long as humanly possible because there is no guarantee that Auburn will be an agent of chaos anymore. I think they might just be average under Brian. Harsley. And that's a, which is a very sad uh, level of truth. Cause I know the agent of chaos with Auburn was always a good tie. We had the always we could depend on thing ever that <laughs> Gus Malzahn and Auburn. It was just the perfect stew of chaos. That's a good way to put that. Um, but I can move on to my next loser that um, is also a stew of chaos, and that's just the entire ACC. The ACC continues to yep. be a chaotic, wild mess, um, which a good wild mess, I think, the is a way to describe it. Um, this year, can I? Just they are. They are bad. Deep the analytical is bad. take from me. 
yeah. the ACC. So, we're, um, so that's why this we're going to go over just a little bit of ACC in this play, which is also going to tie into a little bit of uh, another little bit of uh, Pain Olympic preview. I'm not going to go too much in it because I want to devote some like at least a five minute segment to that. But biggest loser here is not just ACC teams, but ranked ACC teams. So I wanted to make a point of that. And the first one we already talked about, so we're not going to mention much. Miami obviously on this list for flopping yet again to an unranked team. That's a good unranked team and now ranked team deservingly, but you still flopped. It was still a home game. You got to win that and, or at least be competitive. And a lot of the game, they were not next up Virginia tech. You had the great start. You looked really good. And then you played West Virginia and it was a six point loss, but West Virginia was in control of the game pretty much the whole time until the ending where Virginia tech, should have won the game and somehow blew it. There was, oh my God, this game was ridiculous because with like 20 seconds left, Virginia Tech got the ball back at the West Virginia at like 20-yard line. And then they ran the ball, ran the ball, and got down to the four, first and goal at the four, and went three and out. West Virginia wins yep. by six. And it's like, yeah, you can't do that. You're College ranked 15th in the country. undefeated. College football yeah, that's is not undefeated. NFL, that doesn't happen. That's, that's that the does not part. happen in the NFL. That does not happen. That does not happen. And uh, uh, unlike most of my friends up here in the North, I still will forever ride or die college football. And it's stuff like that that's fun. And now I get there's oh, things no, in college football that are. I'm always college football over NFL. The pageantry, the heart, the passion, it's like nothing else. And I love it. I'm, so I'm a fan of good football. It's, it's still good football. It's entertaining football is the difference. NFL can be very good football, but not all, all the times. I mean, and I watched – I mean, and I was on Red Zone the last couple of weeks, and I've watched a crazy amount of NFL the last few weeks. And I still love it, mind you. I still love the NFL. I have nothing but love for it. But a lot of the time, a lot of those games, I was like, I could have not watched that. And it, it, fantasy is like 60% of the reason why I watch oh, as many games as I do, to each which own. is still fun. But I, and I love fantasy too, but – Hey, again, it also I doesn't help NFL. that the Falcons are bad. Well, we, I don't. Oh no, that's made me. That oh, right if you now. were a Falcons, if you were a Falcons fan, you would also think a lot more like me. I think because your life would be way more painful. As much as I know, it's not the most joyous as a Titans fan, but you still have been like not completely embarrassed your team uh, on every single year's occasion. But anyway, uh, another team that actually did embarrass themselves uh, despite winning was Clemson. And you are a loser this week, Clemson, even though you won the game because Georgia Tech – A moral loser. Georgia Tech is a really bad football team, but they genuinely looked – they looked pretty decent in this game. And I don't think that's just because Clemson looked bad, but I think Tech actually looked impressive in this game. And Dabo Sweeney had a whole thing about Tech being impressive in this game, and I think he was right. Because Jordan Yates is clearly the better quarterback for Georgia Tech. He's proven it so far. Had a pretty solid game despite an interception. Uh, Jameer Gibbs actually got shut down. He was one of the players that was supposed to be a big-time breakout ACC running back at Tech, which really hasn't done a lot. But Clemson looked terrible in this game. DJ Ungalele looked lost at times. Only 126 yards and no scores. But Will Shipley got it done on the ground with a couple of scores. But the ending of this game was insane because with eight minutes left to go, it was 14 to three. Clemson looked like they put the game away. Georgia Tech drove down the field and elected to go for a field goal, which I was mad at. I said we should go for it. But we made the field goal. I was like, fine, it's a one-score game. We go for the onside kick, and we get it. And I was like, okay. Tech went driving down, got all the way to the goal line, and was stuffed. And then the next play, Clemson gets a safety. And so then Tech gets two more points on the board and the ball back. That was with seven seconds left, so – it ended up being a Hail Mary that was nothing. But Tech made it a really close competitive game where it should not have been. And at this point, Clemson's number nine. They keep sinking down. We talked about this earlier, but 
I don't think Clemson's going to make the playoffs because the rest of their schedule is really, really easy. It's really easy. And the two out-of-conference games you play left are South Carolina and UConn, who are a pretty bad SEC team and a horrific independent. And then the rest of your ACC schedule, it's not hard. So I don't know. And they, especially given the Coastal's falling apart too, like I don't know how Clemson's odds are now. Clemson's moving down the rankings too. They're currently ranked ninth. Now we'll see if the playoff committee, the playoff committee knowing them will probably rank them like number three uh, just based <laughs> <Yeah>. on you <laughs> know, quality losses. Uh, oh, yeah. They always – they always just make ups. They just make up <laughs> stuff. They just make up. <laughs> that's, that's true. It's true. Like, it's well, very they, sad. They, they haven't beaten anybody, but they have a quality loss. They have a better quality it's, loss God. than any other team who has lost, including the teams who haven't lost. So yay for you, Clemson, for quality so Clemson losses. will probably make the playoff based on the fact that they had a more quality loss than a group of five team that didn't lose. Honestly, if that, here, if that makes negative sense, if if it, if it wasn't for the college football playoff like squad being so favorable for the SEC, with what I've seen out of the Big Ten, you could make an argument that the Big Ten's got multiple playoff teams right now. I've and I know you have Ten Alabama, Georgia, as a winner for two I mean, years. I, I mean, for three weeks in a row, and Big I get Ten Alabama, Georgia clicked up too. Back. But Big Ten might be the best conference this year, and I'm I not think, just saying that. No, I think top to bottom, they're a lot. I think your average, your average um, I Big Ten teams Arkansas, are a lot better than your average SEC. I want to see Arkansas in SEC play a little bit because I think Arkansas, as much as as much crap as we talk about Texas for absolutely laying down in Fayetteville last week, uh, I think Arkansas might be kind of legit, um, just based on the fact they're, that they can good. run the ball really, really well, and Sam Pittman's got those guys going in the trenches. Uh, but let's move on a little bit. My second. Uh, loser we don't have to talk about quite as much uh, because we've already covered a decent amount of it but uh, the Pac-12 late at night uh, last week was a death sentence for the Pac-12 not only did Clay Helton get fired which then of course USC comes out and beats Washington uh, Washington State uh, 45 to 14 but then Fresno State late night beats UCLA, Um, BYU comes out and beats Arizona State a week after beating Utah late at night. Northern Arizona uh, helps to continue the nation's longest losing streak, which lives in the Pac-12, you guessed it. Uh, And not to mention, I don't know if, I don't think this one was late night, but uh, Colorado, who played down to the wire against A&M, it was 10 to 7 in that game. Got beat 30 to nothing by row the boat. And you're PJ you're forgetting Fleck. a game. You're forgetting a game too on there. Utah lost to San game. Diego State in triple overtime. So even and it wasn't late night, but to add on to the pile of Pac-12 well, sucking. It, it that's ended another up game, going late night. It it wasn't like that's true, Pac-12 yeah. Three late over- night, but it ended up going late night because it was three overtimes and it wasn't. I, I wish I, I wish I had watched that game. I didn't watch the end of that. I'm sorry that I didn't. That was a lot of fun, but again, painful for the Pac-12. But but, but I mean, no, you're right. The Pac-12 was sucks better, this man. year. So I mean, even Cal played Sacramento State and let Sacramento State put up 30 on them. They still won the game, but you're letting Sacramento State put up 30 on you. I mean, no, it's Vanderbilt just not- <laughs> put up 23 <laughs> points on Stanford, which may not seem like uh, a lot, but 
but have you watched Vanderbilt football? That team lost to ETSU. It's just, it's just sad. The Pac-12 hey, at least, dead. at least Oregon State looked decent against Idaho. So I, good work, I Oregon wish, State. <laughs> I wish TCU would join this conference just to dominate it. I wouldn't mind just to get that playoff spot. <laughs> uh, and Bring my final look. Less rivalries and dominate. Oh, very true. My my final, which I won't, this will be pretty quick. My final loser on this one, and I hate to dog on him, but Michael Penix Jr. Penix was the guy we really thought was going to be the guy last year, and he's been not the worst, but then they played Cincinnati, and he, he was he was kind of the worst. <laughs> I mean, watching this game was, watching this game was bad, and Penix did get a couple of scores and over 200 yards, but he was 17 for 40 and three interceptions. He was just slinging the ball anywhere he could. It, it was just hard to watch. And I get that Cincinnati was was still in a relatively close game with this team. In fact, was losing a little bit, losing at halftime. Um, down actually 14-0 early in the game. But fourth quarter was 15-0 to Cincinnati. It was a 38-24 win for the Bearcats, which, again, they keep looking good too. But, yeah, IU was just a whole mess in this game. And they're a team that's sort of struggling and, I actually have my stats in here on um, on my uh, GTD article. I'll pull it up just to bring it to you what his stats from the season, but it's it ain't good. Um, yeah, right here I got it. And uh, yeah, so Penix in his in these first few games, um, he has thrown for four hundred forty eight yards, four touchdowns, six picks, and a QBR of thirty one point eight on the season with three full games played. And I, with the two good games, like the Iowa Cincinnati games, those combined, those were all six of the picks and two touchdowns. It's not good. It's terrible. And so there's a reason why this Indiana team's not back. They're not going to be any kind of threat remotely in the Big Ten East. That spot obviously belongs to Penn State against Ohio State this year and a lot Michigan State too. And, you know, maybe even Michigan can make some noise. Who knows? But those four clearly run the conference as uh, – run the division at least as usual – and um, Indiana's just going to sink back down to just sort of being regular old Indiana. But, uh, yeah, probably won't be talking about IU very much this season, but that's just the point I'll bring up about Penix. I hate to see it, though. Negatory. And I'm going to go ahead and move on to my last loser because we've got a couple more games uh, that we want to talk about here. But Spencer Rattler is my last loser because I told you, I don't think Spencer Rattler is that good. I think he's a spotty decision maker. I think his legs bail him out of a lot of plays. Um, and I, I haven't seen any sort of decision making from him, that quick trigger, that intense knowledge of the offense, the ability to read a defense um, that would show me uh, that he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. And I bet a lot of NFL evaluators are saying the same uh, last week. And this is an Oklahoma offense, mind you. This is an Oklahoma offense that we've grown accustomed to them throwing the ball wherever they want, all over the field, you know, averaging nine yards per attempt and absurd stats like that. Uh, and Spencer Rattler, though he completed 70% of his passes, so the accuracy and the arm talent is there, we talked about, as we've talked about. Um, only 6.3 yards per attempt. Uh, he had 214 yards in the game, only one touchdown, um, and not much on the ground from him either. He was able to scramble a little bit, uh, had one touchdown through the air, and then one touchdown on the ground. But in the Big 12, that's not going to get it done. That is no. not going to get it done. I mean, we see some high-flying offenses in the Big 12. This is not news to anybody, 
but that's not going to get it done. I think Oklahoma could be very susceptible this year uh, based on the fact that Spencer Rattler just hasn't been the Heisman quarterback that a lot of people thought he would be. Still got a lot of season left to go, but that's still, I mean, the window is tightening very quickly. Yeah, correct. Um, now on to our top games of the week. Most of them we ended up covering, but the one big one we haven't really touched on a lot yet was probably the big marquee game of the weekend, and that was Alabama-Florida. I know we really haven't talked a lot of SEC besides, of course, the Ole Miss conversation but and Auburn too, but the big game here was this game, and this game proved, I think, a lot of things because it was a game that we didn't really see coming of – Florida being very competitive and actually coming back. I mean, Alabama had this game under control. First quarter was 21-3, and we all were kind of going, oh, okay, and turning off the TV or changing it over. But then Florida crawled back. I mean, touchdown with a PAT failed, made it 21-9 at halftime. And then two more scores, and with the Bama touchdown as well, it was a five-point game going to the fourth quarter. And we were all going, wait a minute, they're making it a game. And then it was 7-7, um, or sorry, sorry, 3-6, for Florida in the fourth quarter to make it a two-point game and almost came in on the final drive. But in Alabama, of course, closed it out with the win. But this was still a pretty impressive game. Florida came out and really played very, very well. It was a pretty clean game, too, just one turnover on the day, and that was Florida. But, again, this game being in the swamp with a Florida team that is, I mean, we didn't think was going to be all big this year, but has played really well so far. I mean, I personally did not really expect this game to be like a, some kind of colossal blowout no contest kind of game, but I don't really think many people called it. It was going to be a two point game. So that was what was pretty shocking here. And the question of course is, is this more on Alabama not really being the number one clear, no contest best team in the country, or is it more that Florida actually does have a lot more fight in them than we thought they did? I think it's a little bit of a combination of both, and I don't think that's necessarily a cop-out answer because Florida had an incredible game plan for attacking this Alabama defense. They wrote the book on how you should attack this defense this year with the way that they're set up and the talent that they have. They attacked them on the perimeter the whole game and used their speed Uh, to match Alabama's speed. And I mean, this is one of the few teams in the country that they can truly say that their athleticism and their speed, maybe not the talent and technique always in every situation, uh, just because of the nature of Alabama's recruiting, but their talent and their, their athleticism and speed is on par with Alabama. Um, And, and, Georgia can say the same. And so they were able to attack the perimeter versus Alabama and then use that to counter uh, to attack on the inside. Um, Even though, as I said earlier, Emory Jones wasn't particularly effective um, during through the air, only 17 of 27 for 194 yards and an interception. Florida did what? ever they wanted against Alabama on the ground ran the Mm -hmm. ball 43 times 246 yards four touchdowns and I mean I could not be more impressed with the way that Florida handled themselves in this game and I'm scared for Bama not only against Ole Miss because of the athleticism that they have on the perimeter and the way that they can attack the boundaries but if they have to play Georgia in the SEC championship, good luck running on Georgia. If you can't run on Florida, Alabama only had 91 yards on the ground. 
and they were only able to go for 240 through the air. So they were really limiting the big plays, Florida was. And, I mean, past the first quarter, Alabama's offense really stalled out. Um, uncharacteristic also for Nick Saban's team to have 11 penalties, 75 yards. Uh, That's unusual. Penalties. Yeah. Uh, Florida stayed pretty disciplined. But, I mean, to give the Florida crowd some credit, it was loud in the swamp. That was what a you'd figure. hostile environment uh, where everyone in the stadium hates you and wants you uh, to false start. And they and gave true. up a few of them. Uh, very uncharacteristic from Bama. Uh, we'll see if they come in and get it corrected because, as Nick Saban said, every time they get up, uh, every time the media starts hyping them up, it's just rat poison. So we'll see if a little bit of criticism in a tough game uh, can bring these boys back. Well, they got Southern Miss next week, and that should work for them. Alabama's 15-1 and in their last 16 meetings against Southern Miss. I think it was the 07 season maybe when they lost. I'm not totally sure on that. But uh, my two points on this game before we can move on to some uh, some pain Olympics, but um, agony Olympics, sorry. Uh, we have Bryce Young looked wonderful in this game. 240 yards, three touchdowns. Love to see what his production was here. Um, and even Robinson, too. Brian Robinson Jr. had a good day on the ground. The Alabama offense still did a lot of what they wanted to do. Bryce Young, again, looked very, very good here. Biggest concern about Bama, too, was the pass rush. Emory Jones could do a lot of what he wanted in this game, and I was a little bit worried about how he they're going to do on that. And he did, and that made it a little more difficult. So, again, we'll see this Bama team next week against Southern Miss. That'll be a good way to kind of get how can they do again against a smaller team like that. I expect them to go absolutely berserk on them. That should happen, but it shouldn't be too difficult. Uh, one, actually one more note I wanted to point out before we move on to pain Olympics real quick, but wanted to point out, um, I was once again working the Syracuse game this weekend when Syracuse uh, faced off against Albany, um, the capital of New York and home of the great Danes of Albany, um, a small FCS school out of the CAA conference. And I uh, wanted to shout out Sean Tucker who actually ended up making a second team, all ACC player of the week for this week. Um, and he ended up finishing the game with 13 carries for 132 yards and four touchdowns with three receptions for 121 yards and a touchdown. Most of that was in the first half. He got 100-100 in the first half, making him the first Syracuse player ever to get 100 rushing and 100 receiving yards in a game, and he did it in a half. And mind you, Syracuse had guys like Jim Brown, and I mean, we, we've, we've had some big-time running backs here. Nobody's done that before. So Sean Tucker, uh, uh, I think he's a true sophomore. Um, a lot of been calls for him to wear legendary number 44. That's the big number in Syracuse. That's like the big deal time if you're able to wear that. So some calls for him to wear it already. But, yeah, Syracuse's rushing attack has looked really good so far this season. Even in their loss to Rutgers, uh, Syracuse's rushing has been very solid. And I'm um, excited to see them against Liberty uh, this Friday night. It'll be a fun game. Liberty kind of a sneaky team, too. Uh, winning some solid games, but not really playing a lot of big competition. But, uh, of course, last year had their breakout season, so we'll see what they'll do. They actually play Ole Miss later in November, so uh, that'll be a really fun game uh, once we get to that. But on to some Agony Olympic games. Uh, we talked about the ACC being terrible. Well, it looks like that continues here. We skipped out on a few teams, and one of those was Pitt, who lost to Western Michigan at home. Uh, 44 points for the for the uh, for the Broncos in Heinz Field, uh, which is pretty embarrassing for Pittsburgh. So um, hate to see that uh, for them. I mentioned Colorado, Minnesota, which you mentioned earlier, 30 to nothing, which is you know uh, just how it is. 
Um, Louisiana Tech has been on this painful list twice now uh, with losing to Mississippi State on the game-winning field goal and then losing to SMU on an insane Hail Mary play. That was unfortunate to see, but also made me a little happy because it meant the TCU could break the unbeaten streak. So that at least makes me a little happier that that would be more painful for SMU if the Frogs win this weekend. Um, also, uh, what else? Um, we forgot uh, the lost big one. No, no, no. We're, we're saving that for last. Okay, um, okay. We're saving that for last. Uh, Duke nor- actually beat a team. Duke beat a team, and it was Northwestern. So the same team that <laughs> won the Big Ten West uh, lost to Duke in the, the span of less than a how year. Did, so. How did we get Ooh. so lucky to have Stanford, Vanderbilt, and Duke Northwestern on the same weekend. I mean, we got we got uh, Vanderbilt, Colorado State last weekend, which is pretty much just as bad. So it's it's you know we got to get some painful games in here. Um, I also mentioned the Arizona Northern Arizona loss, which was just pathetic. But the big game, the big game of the weekend, which I actually didn't include this team on losers simply because I just there was nothing new to say. Everything I already said last week was the exact same. But it was Florida State. They did it again. Florida State lost again, and this time was to Wake Forest, and it was not competitive. 35-14, Florida State gets bodied in North Carolina in a game that was not even close. I mean, it was 24-7 at one point, uh, 10 straight points from the uh, Demon Deeks to close out the game. It was just absolutely embarrassing. And for the first time since 1976, which was Bobby Bowden's first year, may he rest in peace. FSU was 0-3. The Florida State Seminoles, I don't even think have hit rock bottom yet because here's the thing. Florida State plays Louisville next week, who's been getting better. Then Syracuse, then at North Carolina, UMass, which, okay, they'll win that. At Clemson, NC State, Miami, at Boston College, at Florida. Nearly every one of those games is losable. It's (laughs) not guaranteed that they're going to win any of those games. Syracuse has looked better. Syracuse has actually looked better this year. This is all I'm going to say because I don't, you know, those kids try hard. They're just kids. They're they're younger than we are. Yeah, we we don't hate any of the kids. We're just hating on the team. (laughs) But, you know who's older than us and is completely (laughs) uh, there for criticism? Mike Norvell, who I was praising before the season. And he's been terrible. This team has no heart. Uh, and he's only in year two, and, I mean, call the boosters up, see if you can get some more buyout money, uh, or else you're going to be seeing a lot more uh, people, you know, reading books in the nosebleeds of those games, uh, and a lot less people in the stands, and And, that program is going to lose a lot of money. And and if you're getting Florida State fans to start reading books, you know it's getting bad. (laughs) Wow, that was a low blow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, that's going to do it there for Agony Olympics. The only other note I'm going to put on here before we close up is just a little bit mentioning of the top 25 poll. Uh, a couple of teams to highlight on here was BYU moving up eight spots to number 15. Um, Arkansas going up four to 16. Um, Michigan up six. We mentioned number four, uh, number 19. And then UCLA moving down nine to number 24 after their loss. Uh, not ranked teams coming to the polls. Michigan State up to number 20. Fresno State at 22. And then Kansas State sneaking in at number 25. Very interesting team. And for the third week in a row, TCU was left out of the polls despite being up the top. Actually, two weeks now, TCU has been the number one receiving votes team and not gotten in. Uh, they remain that this week. After them is Liberty, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State, and Maryland. 
And then your teams that were knocked out were Virginia Tech, Arizona State, and Miami. So that's going to close it here on the Blanket Coverage Podcast. On our differently styled episode, we'll start doing now of our college football recap day. We will be back tomorrow with all of our NFL action from this past weekend, including our Thursday night football preview, which is once again a super not exciting game, but we'll get excited for it anyway and we'll get our picks in and we'll still watch the game no matter what so there is that but that's all i've got here and that's all from me as well thank you so much for tuning in and for listening to the blanket coverage podcast i am noah parker and i'm jack wallace peace Peace out out, y'all